Hello, friends. This is Bob Hutchins. Welcome to The Human Voice. Today on the podcast, I have a very good friend of mine, Mr. Jeff Atwood, right here in Nashville. We have known each other now for a few years, and we've worked together. We've worked with people that both of us know. Without any further ado, let me read his bio, and then we'll jump right into this conversation with Jeff Atwood. Jeff served as a senior leader for two national health care companies, one on the New York Stock Exchange, the other privately held, overseeing marketing, internal and external communication, patient experience, growth, and brand development. He also understands the needs of companies and communities from his experience as a partner for a national marketing and branding firm that focused on helping organizations and businesses grow and amplify their impact. He's very active in the nonprofit space. We're going to talk about that some today. He currently serves as a chairman of the board of, of an organization called Possibility Place, and it's a day program that serves intellectually and developmentally disabled adults in Middle Tennessee. Previously, he led an organization that provides dental care to underserved people in Uganda, Haiti, and the United States. He's also led an organizational initiative to help build a hospital in Haiti following the earthquake there. And for two years, he took teams of clinical volunteers to provide care to underserved Haitians. Jeff and Annette, his wife of nearly 30 years, have three grown daughters, Madison, Mackenzie, and Macy. And we're going to hear a little bit about his story, specifically about Madison. We're going to hear about the other daughters, too, because they have an interesting stories. Jeff and his family and his wife and Madison currently live on a small farm on Atwood Lane, just outside of Nashville. And Jeff is also an author, and we're going to talk about that. His books published by Simon & Schuster, Harvest House, and others, and his newest book in the Need to Know series. He's got one called Need to Know Graduates, Need to Know Couples, and I believe he has one more that we'll talk about. So, Jeff Atwood, welcome to the podcast. Hey, Bob. Nice to talk with you. And yeah. I think you pointed out there at the end, you're a city boy. I'm a country guy now. I live out here on the country, and I'm looking out the window, watching my horses going, you know, it's going to rain here in a minute. It might be uh, time to put them in the barn. So that's, uh, <laughs> yeah, out there on Atwood Lane. You must be way out there to name the street you live on after yourself. You know, it. Like you talked about earlier, I'm a marketing guy, right? So it's all about <laughs> positioning and branding, right? And 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 first to market and all those sort of things. And so you know, if, if you're the guy who happens to get far enough away and you go, I'm gonna put a I'm gonna put a sign in the ground that's gonna have my name on it, and it's just gonna be what it's gonna be. So good for yeah, you. Yeah, I you know I I grew up um, in a small town in Iowa, and so you know it, it just feels right to be out here and 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 have a little bit of space and, and some dirt and some horses and stuff. That's great. Well, I, I enjoy your, your TikTok account. So if anyone's listening and wants to see, see Jeff with his farm and his horses and his animals, uh, it's, what is it, Jeff Atwood or what is it? Jeff, uh, Jeff Atwood TN, yeah. yeah Jeff yeah. Atwood TN, TN is Tennessee. So that's that's fun. So before we, we jump into all that, um, mm -hmm. how did you get from Iowa to Nashville? I sort of wandered a bit, Bob. I um I grew up in the Midwest, um, went to school at Purdue University in Indiana. And then when I as I was finishing school, I knew I wanted to work in the marketing side of the entertainment industry. I love music and theater and all that sort of thing. 
And so it, it kind of came down to it was Nashville or New York or L.A. And at that point in my life, you know, L.A. was L.A. and, and New York was New York. And so I, I literally like like, every, you know, it's the, it's the story for every songwriter here in town. Like they loaded up a truck and threw their stuff in the back and had 200 bucks in their pocket and moved to town. I did it to work on the um, marketing and, and communications side of the industry and, and did that for a while and, and, you know, was down on Music Row and loved that and got to be kind of around all that um, just real cool stuff that happens down there. And then, um, you know, a couple of years later, uh, got married and, and sort of felt like Music Row was not going to be <laughs> the best path for me. And so um, ended up at, at an ad agency in, in Brentwood outside of Nashville and did a lot of work there. And we had our first child, Madison, who you referenced a minute ago, and kind of concurrent to all of that, um, began doing some work with, with a hospital system with a guy who ultimately became my boss at a, at a healthcare system. And, and, and it, was, it was right around the time when Madison was six months old. Um, when she was six months old, she had bacterial meningitis and, and we almost lost her and spent weeks at the hospital. And, and she's, hmm. she's 26 now, but has a raft of challenges related to that. Um, but sort of in line with the, the time of, of her illness and, and us spending all that time at Vanderbilt here in town, I was beginning to work with these hospitals and I, and I, and I began to realize, you know, this is real, hmm. you know, sometimes I mean, th there is nothing wrong with being a marketer or a communicator or any of those sort of things, you know, because commerce is important in our society, right? But but doing something related to healthcare felt more pure, felt more, you know, life-giving, really, to me. And so um, we began to do a lot of work as a vendor, and then the guy who who founded the company ultimately called me and 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 said, hey, why don't you come over here and work with us? We're growing this thing. And it was um, it, it's just it was one of those things that I was like, oh, my gosh, I don't know anything about working in a big organization, but this is exactly what I need to do. So you jumped into the healthcare, and that was a big part of your career. And how long were you? I guess I, well, I, was, I was at two different healthcare companies. We, we our, our first company, um, Providence Healthcare, we founded. Um, went public on the New York Stock Exchange and then ultimately sold that to um, a company called LifePoint, which is another big hospital system here in town. Um, and then we all went our separate ways for a few years. I went off and, and wrote kids books and did some other stuff like that. And then the guy who was the chairman of the company, Marty Rash, who was my boss, he called and said, hey, we're putting the band back together. Um, you want to do it again? <laughs> so so we got some investment money and 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 went and grew another hospital company. And um, again, everything that we did, all the hospitals that we owned and managed and and worked with, were in smaller rural or non-urban communities, a town of fifty or eighty or a hundred thousand, or sometimes even smaller than that. And you know, it was the only hospital in town. And so these these organizations were super vital to the communities. And that was. That was, you know, kind of going back to what I said earlier, it was so invigorating to know that you are working um, uh, on a hospital that that is literally saving lives and birth and babies for, for the people in this community. Mm, that's really cool. 
So um, tell me a little bit about how you started getting into the nonprofit. I want to talk about the writing and the Need to Know series that that you've got going right now. But before we get into that, I want to hear about your journey into the nonprofit space, because I know you spent a lot of time and effort and that's a passion of yours. Can you talk about that? It is. I, I think we all have a personal responsibility, Bob, to to do something that is beyond ourselves. It's it's really that simple. And and I think that um, for me, you know, this is this is back in the kind of early 2010s. I think the earthquake in Haiti was in 2011. And so I got acquainted with some folks in Haiti and um, and, you know, they were like, well, we need this and we need this. And the Red Cross was there. And I knew some other folks that were going down and doing kind of just that emergent work out of the gate. And then sort of a year or two after the the earthquake, um, you know, we were like, God, we've got to do something right. You know, what, what can we do? And it's like, you know, I don't want to do a fundraiser or do, you know, all these other things. And so we were like, why don't we just take people down there and build a hospital? And so, um, so we did. I mean, so, you know, you, you sort of look around at any point in your life and go, you know, what are the assets that I have? Right. You know, what, right. what tools or resources or, or, or buckets of experience do I have? Um, you know, we were a young ish company, so there wasn't, you know, money falling from, you know, the, the, money would fall from but there was some money laying around everywhere um but you look around i looked around and thought huh what assets do i have that could be meaningful to a country like this oh well i have doctors and nurses <laughs> i have people that have great hearts who are committed to caring and serving and so so we began to take groups down rarely and then and then partnered with an organization in in, in outside of port-au-prince and and, you know, I mean, we, we were doing these these clinics. We would go down for a week and do five days of clinics. And, you know, and, and people would come in literally walking in for hours and hours for care. I mean, the, the simplest of primary care they were walking hours for or people who were managing chronic conditions like hypertension or, or, or things like that. You know, there just truly is there is zero infrastructure for that in Haiti. And so we we began to do a little bit to, to make an impact. And then it became clear we needed a facility to do that more regularly and where other folks could come in and, and, and volunteer and that sort of thing. And so so we, we just we just, you know, found some a little bit of money and, and found, you know, an architect who was willing to um, to donate his time and expertise and, and found a builder. And, and and I think, Bob, I mean, it, you know. I'm making it sound really simple and it is and it isn't right. But I think, you know, and this is what I've told our children, you know, I, we have told our children over the years, the idea of just show up, you know, that there, there is so much value opportunity follows availability. And so whether it's in your career, your personal life or parenting or whatever the case may be, you have to be willing to step into a situation. And once you do that, then then you sort of see where the opportunity comes from that. And so we we saw this, you know, particularly in Haiti, we saw the opportunity there, the need, and just sort of stepped into it and, you know, had a, a ton of people who were really talented, passionate people who who said, yeah, yeah, I'd like to do that and raise their hand. And they would fly from Ottumwa, Iowa or Louisiana or Arizona or wherever 
and and they would go to Haiti for a week and and do remarkable work. And it, it was important. Again, it was important for us as an organization to give back, but there's always an opportunity for the people who participate in this because what it does is it helps them connect back to this is why I got involved in healthcare in the first place. Mm, right? That's cool. The healthcare system in America is a complete train wreck. Right. Train wreck. And so they spend way too much time chasing their tail on stuff. And, and so, you know, we went to Haiti and you've got this line of patients out the door and, and literally (laughs) there's no concern about pre, you know, pre-authorization or copay or any of, I mean, it's literally, here's a piece of paper. You know, this is the first time we got a little more sophisticated later. Here's a piece of paper. Tell us your name. If you know your name, I mean, and this, you know, this is not an indictment of them. That's just culturally where they were. Tell us your name, how old you think you are, and and we will try to solve whatever is ailing you at the time. And and you could just see from the doctors and the nurses and the technicians, I mean, they were just exploding with excitement to be able to go, I'm going to care for this person right in front of me, and I'm not going to have to worry about going you know, is Blue Cross going to cover this or do I have to get approval from United or what about this or the pharmacy? Or I mean, it's just I'm literally caring for the person in front of me. And that is it. And there is something that is just so beautiful and holy about that. Yeah, that's really cool. That's that's probably a good segue into the nonprofit that that you're now involved with. Mm-hmm. Tell me about Possibility Place and how, yeah. what your journey is to that. Yeah, Possibility Place is an amazing organization in in Murfreesboro, Tennessee, which is just a, a town um, south and east of here a little bit. And it's an organization that was started by a mom, a mom of a special needs child who in the state of Tennessee, once you hit the age of 22, there are no state services, no other service organizations to cover you. And so this mom saw her son sitting at home after he finished the program at finished school and was like, oh, my gosh, he's regressing and he's, you know, not social and all these sort of things. And so she started this program five or six years ago and it's grown and grown and grown. And there's a church in town that's that's an amazing partner to us. And 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 a couple of years ago, she came to me and said, I, I know you have my daughter, Madison, is part of this program. She's been part of that for a couple of years. She came to me and said, hey, we we need to move some things ahead here would you help us do that and ask me to be chairman of, of that organization and i mean it, it, it's it's one of those things bob that you, you know we're serving 40 adults and we are capped because of of space this church mm-hmm. donates their space to us it's wildly generous of them and um but i know that there's another 100 adults in that community who are sitting at home and need services and then every year coming out of the school system are another 10 or 12 or 15 more. Mm. And so it's, um, you know, it's, it's literally, there's a group of people in this community that, that need support. You know, these are great, generous, kind, talented, loving people. They are a community for my daughter and they're a community for one another. And, um, the opportunity to serve them is is as important as anything I've done. And I, and I think, you know, like I said earlier, I think I think we all 
need to find a place to serve. Mm. You know, I, I didn't, I wasn't great at that early in my career, right? I wasn't because I was busy and, and, you know, I wanted to grow a big company or be part of a growing company and our kids were young and, you know, and we just, we didn't do as much of that, didn't look beyond ourselves as much as we should have. But again, you can't, you can't worry about what's happened. You just sort of look at it and go, all right, well, today, what can I do to serve that group? All right. What about tomorrow? How, how do I, you know, broaden the tent as it were to, um, to bring some, some folks in to help us move forward. And so that, that's the fun in, in, in service, right? It's, it's not fancy, but it's, it's just so, so important. Well, I know that that has been a real passion of yours. And for the time that I've, I've known you, I know, you know, your daughter Madison has brought so much um, new experiences and opportunities, but also I would say some real beautiful life lessons in your own life. Can you talk about that a little bit? Yeah, I think, you know, it's, um, I, I remember talking with friends of mine um, back when we got pregnant with Madison. I say we, my wife was pregnant with Madison. And, and, you know, kind of the, when, when you tell somebody you're going to have a child, you know, they say, Hey, we're going to have a baby. And, um, and sort of the next question is, um, well, do you want a boy or a girl? And, and, you know, and then I sort of being this smart aleck in the room said, no, I'm just gonna take the high road here. I don't care. I just want a healthy baby. Right. You know, that's sort of the, the, you know, the, I'm the better man, you know, <laughs> sort of approach to that. I want a healthy baby. Well, April 27th, 1996, Madison was born and she was a healthy baby, super healthy, happy, great baby, hit all the milestones. And so we were like, we are off to the races in your head. You know, you, you have this almost a slideshow when you have your child you have this slideshow that just sort of plays in your head about what's her life going to be or his life going to be, you know, they're going to, you know, be a baby and then go to kindergarten and then graduation and drive a car and go, you know, whatever, all these sort of things pass through your head. And so you just have it laid out. Um, when Madison was six months old, she had her first, first ear infection. And from that ear infection, um, she got bacterial meningitis. And so she went from being a, a, a typical, happy, healthy kid to just a few hours later on event fighting for her life. Mm. And, um, and it was, it was devastating in the moment, Bob. I mean, it really, really was. And, 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 and it's like, how did we get here? This is not fair. This is not right. This is, you know, all of these sort of things, shaking your fist at heaven. And, and, and it, um, you know, so so the the folks at Vanderbilt did miraculous things to to save her life when she was six months old. I was I was down at Vanderbilt yesterday uh, taking a family member for a procedure, and I was there a good part of the day. And so um, I was just out walking around a little bit, walked to the cafeteria, and and, and it's just amazing. I walked by two places where people. I remember specific, distinct conversations from different times I've been at Vanderbilt that were so impactful to me in those moments. And um, I think that a lot of my approach to life, we talked about volunteerism, ha has come from being Madison's dad. You know, mm -hmm. I'm, a, I'm a different guy than I would have been 
had I not had a child with special needs, you know, um, you know, this is a child who grows up in a small subset of the school or the church or the organization or the neighborhood or, you know, she's 26 years old now. We just had our 22nd annual birthday party at Chuck E. Cheese. You know, there's some, there's some funny looks that come from a group of 26 year olds, you know, her peers and older playing at Chuck E. Cheese. And so y- you learn a little bit about I don't really care if those people look at me. I don't really care if my daughter does this or says something or, um, you know, it, it, it just doesn't matter. And, and I think that having her as our daughter has allowed me to fully understand that and to lean into the fact that we are literally all human beings stuck on this planet circling at however million miles an hour, whatever the scientists tell us that we're doing. And, and all of the stuff that we get worried about, about putting people in groups or in this or that, or you're one of these, or you're one of those, it doesn't really matter. Yeah. I just, I think that if we peel all that away and just get back to the fact that we are literally all human beings here and and if we cannot be comfortable with that, then we've all got some work to do. And so to super long answer to your question about what Madison has taught us, but I think she has taught us to enjoy the moment, right? There, there is there is no guarantee. There's really not. And, and that's easier said than done. There's literally no guarantee. You know, when she was 19 years old, she was having seizures that were catastrophic that would have killed her. And she had to have a brain surgery to to, to literally split her brain in half in order to control the seizures. Mm. Um, She had to relearn everything that year, literally. So for the third time after she was an infant and then after the meningitis and then again, she's learning everything in her life. So she is the strongest, fiercest, most stubborn person I have seen on this planet. I believe that is one who she is, but secondly, I believe it has innately served her to survive, literally to survive. Mm. And so um, it, it's just we we've learned. It's it's really cliche to say we've learned more from her than she has from us, but the truth is 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 that we've learned more about ourselves mm. from her than we would have otherwise. Mm. Wow. That's so good. Thank you for sharing that. Um, I know that, I know that that has opened up so many things for you. I know it hasn't always been easy, but the beautiful trips that I've seen you take her to Disney world and other places and the organizations that you get to be a part of. I just, I, I sit and wonder sometimes because I've, you know, I, I wonder what, what would I have done if, if I had a child and went through something similar to you? And so it's a, it's a inspiration to watch and to see number one, the way that you love your daughter, you're and your wife and your other daughters love her so well, but the way that she loves you back and what it, like you said, what a beautiful human experience that uh, in the midst of, I know it hasn't always been easy, 
that but that you that you get that gift uh, on a daily basis that you get see childlike wonder on a level that is always there for you. I think that's so true, Bob. I, I mean, I think it's it's you know, I mean, for for better or worse, we have a four year old forever, right? Mm. You know, she she's twenty six. She functions as a four year old. She did when she was twenty two or eighteen. She will when she's forty or forty four or however. But but there is an honesty mm. in her approach to life, in her relationships. There there is no, I, I haven't seen it any bias or any um, favoritism or any judgment on her because of any. I mean, she she doesn't see people of disability or I don't think color the way we do or gender or in, I mean, none of that. I mean, she, she just doesn't worry about any of that. Mm-hmm. And she just says, they're my friend. I mean, and so I, I think that there is, there is so much to be learned from her in her approach to life, Bob, and her approach to others. And just, you know, she, she is, she is wildly generous, wildly generous. and. Um, She's, you know, challenges me on that. And so, so we're going to go. So we love to, like you mentioned, we love to travel Disney. It's a great place for her. We go on the cruise as much as we can. Haven't for, you know, a few years because of, um, because of COVID and such. And so early on, so every time we travel to Disney world or anything parks where there's characters, right? For her, it's all about seeing the characters. I'm going to see Mickey and Minnie, the whole thing. She brings them gifts. Like she has this file folder of pictures that she makes for them. And, and she has worked on this between trips. I mean, this is this is a big deal. And so when we go see these characters, I mean, it, it is like, you know, it's like she's presenting them, you know, the gilded coat of arms, you know, and this is in, in you know, and doggone it, Mickey better accept that thing with the value that it is. Or I'm coming for somebody. Right. Um, so anyway, so, so during early on in COVID, you know, we knew we were going to go anywhere for a while. So she and my wife started this big project where they went to the garage and they got this reclaimed wood or, you know, scraps of wood, re- reclaimed sounds. If I use curated, does it sound fancier? I mean, that's the no. word everyone uses. <laughs> so, so they curated. Spoke. Wood. <laughs> Spoke, that's right. So they went to the garage and found some junky pieces of wood. And then they painted them all kind of in the colors of the different characters. Okay. And so she's probably got 20 of these that she's worked on. And each one is, here's one that looks like Mickey and here's one that looks like Minnie and all these sort of things. I mean, I don't even know how heavy this bag is going to be to carry this all on the cruise ship. And they probably going through x-ray. They'll be going, Bro, why are you bringing 20 pieces of wood on our boat? That is super weird. But it this is literally the greatest gift she can offer somebody. Right? Oh. She 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 has these people are so important to her that she has literally taken every bit of skill she has to paint and sticker and polka dot and all this kind of stuff for them and she's waited two and a half years to give them to him to them. And so I just think that that kind of her intentional generosity and kindness is, 
I mean, it's 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 everything. It's it it is it is a model for us, for me, for my wife, for our daughters. And and I think that, you know, my daughters, our other daughters, um, Mackenzie um, is Madison's the oldest of 26. Mackenzie's 25 and lives in um, um, Los Angeles in Burbank. And she works in the animation industry. And, um, and then our youngest daughter, Macy, is an equestrian and lives in Florida. I see the kindness they show to people. Mm. And, and I know they learned that from their sister. I know they learned that from their sister. Mm. And, and they are better human beings and kinder and, and more understanding than I would say a lot of their peers. And it's, it's because of their sister. Mm. Wow. That's beautiful. Let's spend the last few minutes talking about some of the, the books you've written and specifically the Need to Know series. I know that that's kind of taken on a life all of its own, Jeff, in the last few years, but I want to hear the the genesis of it, where it, the idea came from, and, and just maybe some um, anecdotal things that you have in the books, maybe read a couple of them, and then sure. maybe some feedback that you've been getting. Yeah, I think... It- the background is about four or five years ago, five years ago, six years ago, when Mackenzie, our middle daughter, was entering her senior year of high school. She and Madison went through high school together. We held Madison a year back so she and Mackenzie could go through school together. Mackenzie entered her senior year. So about this time, you know, now that in August of uh, 20, wow, 2015, so seven years ago. Um, holy smokes, I'm getting old. Um Mackenzie was going to be a senior in high school. And, and, and it really, it just dawned on me at the start of that school year. It's like, holy cow, this is, this is my last shot with her. This is the last opportunity I have to, to, to speak into her life, to be a dad. And, um, you know, because at that point, it sort of feels like a little bit pass fail as a parent, right? right? You know, and it's not because parenting carries on, but, um, but it felt like this is the last shot I have to, to speak into her life and to, you know, be a dad. And so what I decided I would do, because uh, I grew up in Iowa and I'm not a wildly emotional person, is um, I decided I would send her a text every morning with some advice before school. Hmm. So every day before her school, her senior year of high school, I sent her a piece of advice, just something I thought that she needed to know. Right. And so that. I just did that for the course of the year. And, and later on in the year, some friends of mine heard what I was doing and, you know, they're like, Oh man, you're such a good dad. I'm like going, yeah, I am right. Ah. You know, <laughs> go. <laughs> like, Don't talk to my wife about that. She'll say the opposite, but they said, can I send that to my, to my kids? Can you just like copy me on the text? You know? And I'm like, okay. And so, um, so we just began sending this advice to, to, to my daughter. And then, you know, it just, it just became a little bit more. And, and, um, you know, it's, it's, the idea is, is, is it's, you know, I, I'm not saying anything in what I said to her that has never been said before in some different way. Right. It's, it, I mean, you know, everything that's been written has probably been written. Right. And so I just, I, I just sent it to her. And just wanted her to know that I loved her and that and that I wanted 
the best for her. You know, that's a friend of mine talks about, you know, what you really want in life is you want everyone to win at life, mm. to have the best life possible. And that's what it was for Mackenzie. And so I sent her this advice and, and then it turned into something and we self-published a book. And then um, a couple of years later, had a little more time and um, a buddy of mine who's a literary agent said, hey, you know what? That need to know thing, that might be like a thing. And I'm like, really? And um, and so we turned it into, we have three books so far, Need to Know for Graduates that you reference, Need to Know for Newlyweds, and Need to Know for New Parents. And, and again, it's just all simple, like literally every, every piece of advice is no more than like 30 or 40 words, some are a dozen. Because nobody has, to me, nobody has time to read like giant war and peace versions of, you know, here's 8,000 words to make your life better. Right, right. Just make it simple, approachable, something you can think about for a second and go, oh, yeah, that makes sense. And so that's kind of how it started. We're, we're three books in. Um Did I mention them all? Graduates, new parents, newlyweds, and then exploring options for for others right now. That's great. What kind of feedback have you gotten on it? I think it's I, I, lots of good feedback. I mean, people love to give them as gifts. And, you know, and one of the things that we did in the books is there's a page up at the front. It's called my need to know. And the idea is so, so many of these are given as gifts. And the idea with a my need to know page was as you give it as a gift, right? You know, the 140 pages or whatever that follow that I wrote, that is not the ultimate advice, right? There's everyone else has something they need to share. And so I, I think it makes it more valuable when somebody can say, here's some things you should know, but here's what I, your grandma or your aunt or your cousin or your guy who lives down the street thinks you should know. And so it, it's been really fun to do that. I think, you know, I mean, I think the publisher's happy since they say, hey, do more. So that's, that's good, right? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so yeah, it's been, it's been fun and, and it's, it's fun to, um, with the graduates, especially it's, it's fun for, um, for, for parents to tell me, Hey, I'm having these conversations with my kids. And so that's kind of one of the things that I'm talking about with friends now is so, Hey, I know this is a graduation gift, but maybe you buy it now and look at it and go have this conversation with your child. Cause I think that's one of the things that's so important about parenting or in relationships is, is you have to be super intentional about conversations. And this is, I, I was talking to a friend of mine the other day about, you know, converse, conversing with his teenage daughter. And, and I said, you know, how do you sort of wrap up that conversation? And he goes, well, you know, we sort of talk about things. And then I sort of walk off and say, love you. And she goes, love you. And I said, I said, how about this? How about instead of that, instead of saying, love you, which sort of feels like a throwaway, right? You know, it feels like I got to, you know, Hashtag love you. How about you literally intentionally look at her in the eyes and say, I love you. And and just it it's I mean, it's it's almost no different in terms of the words, but the intentionality is so important. Mm. And, I, and I think that's that's something that's that's that we all miss sometimes is is the need to be intentional and what we say and who to whom we say it and, and how often we say it. Yeah. Yeah, that's so good. Jeff, if you could go back and do it again and or or maybe have the ability to get in a time machine, let's say that, 
What would you say to young Jeff, who starting out, newlywed, big dreams, big career goals? What What would you want to say to him? I'd say the career is not nearly as important as you thought it was, or I think it is. Your ability to impact people is the most important. Mm. And I think that's, I think that's it. I mean, I think that, you know, there's going to be capitalism and there's going to be companies and there's going to be all of that sort of stuff. But world is not desperate for more our world is desperate for better people who relate to each other Mm. and i think that the only way we get better as a society is if we intentionally relate to one another and i think that i would have said to myself do more of that now Mm. and don't wait 20 years I was listening to someone recently, Jeff, I think it was on a podcast or something. And one of the pieces of advice he gives to young people, and maybe it's to his own kids, I don't know. It sounded a bit odd, but the more that I think about it, it also rings true with what you said. Go to as many funerals as you can and listen very closely. And what he was saying was that you will rarely, if ever, at a funeral hear about the achievements in the business world uh, or really anything, what you will hear is what kind of person was he or she and how did they impact others? That's it. Yeah. And I thought that was a great piece of advice. It sounded a little morbid, but it's actually very wise because I think if we could take notes and realize that at the end of the day, um, We will be remembered by not what we achieved, but by how we made people feel, the difference we made in their lives. And I think that's well, a well worthy pursuit. Yeah, it's it's I I think that that the humanity part of it is everything. Right. It's everything. And I I think that. um, That we miss it, I missed it for a while, I'm, I'm I'm better at it than I was, I hope five years from now I'm better at it than I am today. But I I really think that as parents and as um, spouses or partners or as work colleagues or whatever the case may be, um, that we have to lean on the humanity. Mm. And, um, and, And if we don't do that, then, you know, I hate to say everything is in vain, but I mean, to your point, you know, hey, Madison, Madison came in to join us. Um, no one's going to get to your funeral and go, remember that stock split he did mm. in 87? Man, we all got rich on that. Mm-hmm. And they go, I bought a boat. And? <laughs> and? <laughs> yeah, my boat sunk, you know. We've got we've got a special guest here at the end, Bob. Oh, that's awesome. In here. Mass. Madison woke up from a nap. Can you say hi, Madison? Hi. Come, come over hi. Here. Come How over. are you, Madison? Madison, look over here. Come slide over here. <laughs> say hi to Mr. Bob. Can you say hi? Hi. hi. It's nice to see you. It's not time to go yet. We're, we're gonna go to dinner in just a minute, okay? 
Mm-hmm. It is thundering and raining. I'm going to go get the horses in a minute. They'll be all right. They'll be all right. They won't melt. Can you tell Mr. Bob goodbye? Hi. Hi. It's nice to see you. Well, Jeff, how can people get a hold of you and find more out about your books and the other things that you're involved in? Yeah, I know. Um, JeffAtwood.com is Jeff. Yeah, JeffAtwood.com has a lot of the, the professional stuff. Um, the books are available wherever you would buy books, you know. Um, or if they want to contact me, Jeff at JeffAtwood.com. And that's one T, A T. One T. Yeah, that's I don't all these interlopers with the two T's. I don't get that. <laughs> well, Jeff, thank you for the time and for sharing your, you know, the real busy day. I know you got a lot going on and we're going to let you get to dinner here in a minute. But thanks again. And I would encourage everybody to go to jeffatwood.com, check out the books, check out the nonprofit and just reach out to Jeff. He's a great guy. If you're ever in Nashville and you want to pet some horses, I'm sure he would let you do that. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> well jeff until next time we will talk to you soon thanks bob take care bye-bye